thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are in the world. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea, and you're listening to Wellness Women Radio. Uh, and ladies, just because I haven't done this for a little while, I want to give um, you a little or give us a plug and get you to please indulge us and um, go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever medium it is that you are listening to. Make sure you've subscribed to us and um, we love all of your um, ratings and reviews and also your episode suggestions that have been coming in too. Um, thank you so much for that because we love those burning um, health questions that are coming up for you. Um, some of them really are burning health questions. Uh, and so we will certainly put that in our um, recording schedule and we will certainly try and cover those for you as soon as we can. So thank you for that. So let's kick on. I'm just trying to mute the thing. I was like, I was about to yell out at my husband. We're like, be quiet. We're recording. So I do apologize if you're hearing back, background uh, kitchen noise there, everyone. Pete just wants to be uh, on the show. One day we're going to have to do that. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, just introducing your other halves. So have a chat. Hi. <laughs> um, so anyway, sorry, that was just me trying to avoid the background noise, which totally messed up the uh, flow of this uh, this start. But No, uh, not everyone- at all. Ash, um, what did you have for dinner tonight? And I'm going to segue 
right into our topic by asking we you this. We had uh, Pete cooked. He was throwing together a brown rice, kind of like a stir fry thing with just random mixed vegetables from the fridge. You know, we just oh, kind of left up with all the sort of leftover stuff. I think it was minced chicken and everything just all thrown together. It was really nice. He did a great job with just like tamari sauce. So, oh, yum. I yum. like that it. That sounds so good. <laughs> How about um, you? What was on your plate? Um, okay. So, I'm glad you're sitting down for this. I made a Thai green curry tonight. Like I actually made it. You actually made it. Yeah, I made it. Congratulations. Uh, oh, thanks. Huge. Well done. <laughs> um, and it. for any of you who've been following along at home for a little while, I am like literally the worst cook in the whole entire world. Um, but I needed to make something before I went to work today because um, Dean um, with his current um, like just paramedic roster, he wouldn't have finished until seven as well. And then one of us has got to take the dogs out and there was just no way to kind of get a healthy dinner made um, without us eating at, you know, midnight. So I made a Thai green chicken curry before I went to work this morning. Two very impressive things right there. It's um, like planning and prep and done. No, who well am done. I? All right, let's celebrate that. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and it actually wasn't too bad. Now, look, I uh, – Completely ruined the rice. It turns out I don't know how to cook rice and Dean was just like, we, I don't need rice for this. I wasn't going to eat it anyway. But um, So that was quite funny. But the point or what I was actually going to make um, here or what I was going to ask you, Ash, is what were you using to cook with? Um, in terms of like when you're ch- cooking your chicken mince or whatever it is in the pan, like what oils are you using for that? Good question. So generally speaking, uh, looking at things like ghee. Yes. So just the clarified butter. It's, um, you know, good high smoke point. So it allows you to, to pan fry or stir fry. So generally that's the go-to. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, this is where this conversation day is coming from. Like, what oils should we use? What oils should we cook with? Mm. What oils are good for us? What oils are bad for us? You know, people ask that question. Oh my God, I heard saturated fats are so bad for us and they cause heart disease. Like, that's, you know, that's something we've got to talk about because is that true? Um, because there's so many myths and so many uh, ideas around fats that have been perpetuated for a long time, obviously based on food industry, what's available, what's, you know, cheap, what's um, cost effective, uh, what's quality, what's not quality. There's just so many variables, I think, when it comes to oils and it's hard to avoid them. They're in just about everything, you know, in anything that's produced, left in a packet in the supermarket, they're nearly always got some form of oil in there. So we do need to ask that question, like what oils are we consuming? Where are they coming from? Uh, Not just what we cook with, but what's in the pastry, what's in the biscuit we purchased, what's in Mm. that, you know, meat pie I just, you know, bought from the shop. Like it's it's asking those questions. I can't imagine you you buying meat pie. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, but this is what what clients are asking, right? You know, they, they don't know what in there because those don't come with necessarily packets and labels that are easy to understand. So mm. tonight this um, episode was really just about sort of debunking some of those myths around uh, oils particularly, but also around, you know, this idea of good and bad, you know, mm. what's good and bad and, and what um, criteria are you using to decide that because we can be talking about good and bad based on heart health. We could be talking about good and bad based on the inflammatory effect and the pro-inflammatory, you know, effects that it has, yes. which leads to autoimmune conditions and general systemic inflammation, which leads to a myriad of chronic health conditions. 
we could be talking good and bad just based on the environmental impact of oil production. So absolutely, um, not to confuse things too much, but just to keep it really simple, we want you to you know finish listening to this and go, okay, cool. These are you know the preferred oils that I'm going to have in my household. These are the ones I'm absolutely going to avoid. And, you know, if I'm going to make these decisions based on environmental factors, then I might want to avoid even though this is recommended. So just that, you know, simplicity, break it down a bit. What are we using them for? When are we using them? What can you put in the pan? What you don't ever want to put in the frying pan? And, um, you know, how do we make our fat intake healthier? And that's really important. And just as, you know, health trends change so dramatically with time, so too has this information around oils and what are the healthiest to cook with and consume. Um, So, you know, is it any wonder that people have been really confused about this um, over time? But what seems to be coming up a lot more for people is this idea of of avoiding industrial seed oils um, Mm. or just avoiding, um, you know, certain types of, of trans fats or toxic vegetables oils and this is also even making people rethink how often they're eating out because um you know a lot of these oils and we'll we'll certainly go through all this so that you're really clear about that as well a lot of these oils are mass produced and they're much cheaper as well than say using um you know like an olive oil for example or ghee as you mentioned ash so um it would make sense that they're they're used in places like restaurants and everything else so um this is why people are starting to sort of change their um you know their dinner bookings to eating more at home and everything else because they want to try and avoid the pro-inflammatory nature and the um, health concerns that do come with consuming so many, um, whether it's industrial seed oils or trans fats and everything else along the lo- those lines. Um, but should we just give a bit of a list of the things that we absolutely want to avoid and the reasons why? Yeah, look, I think it's probably before we do that, maybe just clarify some of the terms because I know yes. a lot of people are very confused about the language around oils. They'll read a label and they're like, what does this mean or what does that, you know, is that a good one or is that a bad one? And mm-hmm. um, we'll just probably start by saying that, you know, all all oils have degrees of fats and fatty acids. And so you've got something called monounsaturated fatty acids, MUFAs. Mm-hmm. You've then got polyunsaturated fatty acids, um, PUFAs, and this is our omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids. And then you've also got saturated fatty acids. And, of course, you know, the saturated fatty acids are the ones that have been um, sort of since the 1950s considered the really bad ones to avoid. Um, but then you're now starting to look at things like trans fat, and this is the partially hydrogenated vegetable oils as well. Mm. So, you know, for me, um, you're, you're asking that question of which ones do we avoid? Like we've just gone through those different names. What, what, what am I looking for? What's good? What's bad? I generally just say to people, look, anything that says trans fat is generally bad. Absolutely. For me, the partially hydrogenated vegetable oils are just an absolute avoid. They're they're chemical, industrialized liquids. Um, they've been made by reacting a, an oil with hydrogen, and that partial hydrogenation uh, basically takes away the good elements of the oil and also creates these trans fats, which is known to promote heart disease. So mm. this is the one thing that I say, look, if, I, if there's nothing else you understand about oils, just stay away from trans fats. Now, then the question is, where do you, you know, where do you find these trans fats? And you'll be horrified to realise that it's in basically most baked goods, um, yes. anything that's packaged, produced, and kept for shelf life. Um, 
So, yeah, it's, yes. it, that's what you were saying about do people want to eat out because a lot of, you know, things are made quickly and easily and they will include these nasty, um, yeah, nasty oils. So that's my kind of short one. So if you're having margarine, don't. <laughs> you know, if you're eating fried restaurant foods, don't. Um, even just something, something as simple as microwave popcorn. Yes. You know, popcorn is healthy enough, just plain corn popped in a pan with some real ghee or butter. But once you start seeing the packets and you turn them over, you realise they've been sort of stabilised with these trans fats. So, um, look, it sounds simple to avoid, but it's not that simple. Uh, I get it. Uh, But we've got to make an effort to do so uh, because there's no other thing that we can do other than just check packets and and look for labels and Um, have a pretty good guess at where they might be hiding. Ash, can I just clarify the trans fats a little bit because, um, and look, we, we totally acknowledge that this topic can get super confusing, so we're, we'll try and simplify as much as possible. Mm. There are um, some naturally occurring trans fats in, in, you know, meat and dairy products, and it's just a, a byproduct of um you know, for example, when cows um, are digesting their, um, you know, their food, they do have trans fats in their stomach and everything else. It's just a normal thing. But when you consume those products from either dairy or meat, you're only getting a really small amount of trans fats that come from those sort of processes. And they're very easily recognizable for the body. So they don't have the same kind of, you know, really heavy processing that would happen from the industrial artificial trans fats that are, as you mentioned, the partially hydrogenized um, oils as well. Uh, so the things that you'll find these in is anything that's deep fried or processed. So even think like your frozen pizzas, um, your packaged baked goods. So I normally tell patients anything that's been baked or heated, um, so your muffins, cakes, um, you know, often lots of breads and all of those sorts of things as well fall into this category. Any of your prepackaged um, cakes and everything else as well. Any of your chips, so your crisps or obviously deep fried chips as well and often packaged snacks. Um, lots of your freezer meals. Any fried meats and fast foods are always going to contain these. Um, margarine, as you mentioned, your vegetable shortenings and even um, non-dairy uh, creamers and those sorts of like milk additives as well. Yeah, um, thanks for clarifying that because you're right, there is, you know, the healthy and the unhealthy trans fats in mm. a loose sense of the word. But like you're saying, those um, the sort of the animal product trans fats are often different because mm. the way the bonds are conjugated so and this is the chemical the chemistry of it why the body accepts certain things and doesn't accept other things you know yeah. isn't it fascinating how we, we can't match a mirror in na- nature they've tried to mimic something in nature but it's not done as well the body doesn't process it the same way um let's Absolutely. just use an example because I, I was reading an article about the research on that and it's just something simple like understanding let's just say if we call the 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 beef trans fat healthful trans mm-hmm. fat just for you know argument's sake here if you are looking for example at purchasing your beef from a grass-fed grass-finished cow rather yes. than grain-fed you're going to have a higher content of healthful trans fats 300 to 500% higher um, than that grain-fed cow so you know sick cow sick people yes. sick animals sick humans so if our animals are being fed with the very things that cause disease in humans then the quality of the fats and the nutrition coming from that animal is less than those that are fed on a 
primal diet. So cows are designed to graze on grass, not on grains. Isn't Does that, that make sense? Absolutely. And I know yeah. we've sort of looked at, at some of those things um, in our previous episodes, but that's such a good way of putting it, Ash. Mm. I love that. Um, and I know that there was a big movement um, you know, as you mentioned in the 50s, uh, getting everyone to move away from saturated fats. Mm. Uh, and even now, um, I think we're st- we still have this hangover effect for everyone who maybe has elevated certain types of cholesterol. And we are absolutely going to cover cholesterol in detail on an episode. Um, we will do that. We need to. Um, but so if they've got elevated cholesterol, they'll say, oh, you know, my everyone's telling me I've got to stay away from any kind of saturated fat so I can't eat this and I can't have that. But Ash, can you sort of just debunk that a little bit for us? Absolutely. So there's a really good um, series of research papers produced, probably four or five of them. I'm just going to scan quickly here. Um, yeah, all five of them have been since 2020. So they're very recent studies. Um, one of the most important ones is the Cochrane Database Systematic Review, which was done in 2020. So really um, high-level evidence there. Yeah, by Hooper et al. And it's called, it's titled, for anyone who wants to look it up, Reduction in Saturated Fat Intake for Cardiovascular Disease. Long story short, um, people who reduced saturated fat intake were still just as likely to die from heart disease and other causes related to cardiac conditions as those who ate more saturated fat. Full stop. Mm. So, you know, this idea that saturated fat causes heart disease is wrong. The other studies also considered these things. They were looking at, um, you know, total saturated fat intake had no effect on the risk of heart disease. Um, Next one, consuming higher amounts of saturated fat from dairy may be associated with a reduced risk of heart disease. So remember we just talked about where Mm. our sources of trans fats comes from matters, and now we've got a natural source um, of trans fat as opposed to a chemically produced source, and that's actually considered to be a reduction in disease risk. So now we're starting to see these semantics around, okay, well, it's not just about good and bad. And we said from the beginning, it's really hard to define the line and saying good and bad. It's about saying, okay, what are more healthful and which ones are unhealthy and won't be tolerated by the body the same way. Um, And the final one just basically said saturated fat intake was not associated with a higher risk of heart disease. So, you know, these are very substantial studies. Um, You know, one of these studies here has – um, nearly 3,000 adults uh, over an average of 10 and a half years have followed them. Uh, another one is nearly 10,000 women aged 50 to 55. They followed them for 15 years. So, you know, there's a substantial timeline and a great uh, deal of people involved, which is fantastic. So it does, you know, in interesting conclusions there. The one with the women um, concluded that saturated fat doesn't increase the risk of heart disease or death and may be linked to a lower risk of other conditions, including obesity, type 2 diabetes, and high blood pressure. We need fat to be healthy. Absolutely. It's an essential building block even for all of our hormones and every single cellular structure in our body, really. Um, So that was a really great summation, Ash. Thank you for that. That's Mm. awesome. Um, So if we go back to – so we know that, yes – Saturated fats are healthy, obviously in moderation um, or depending on, you know, your specific dietary requirements. Um, and if we go back to looking at the vegetable oils, for example, that were or the partially hydrogenated vegetable oils, um, the reason being like other health reasons why we want to avoid these is because of the fact that most of the time these oils are genetically modified. 
they do increase your risk of metabolic syndrome and type 2 diabetes. They do increase your cardiovascular disease burden as well as um, increasing, you know, plaques and atherosclerosis formation as well. So while saturated fats are not associated with that, the partially hydrogenated oils are. And Ash, can I ask, can you like sort of unpack the environmental um, burden that can come with those as well? I, I always didn't want to read this tonight because I'm like, oh, how hard does it become when you're suddenly earth burdened with the uh, consciousness of knowing more about these things? Because I always find it hard when I know better. It kind of feels like an impulse to me to want to do better. Um, but then I realise, you know, can I make these changes to this degree? Because this is just, you know, a lot of contemporary lifestyle is geared around unavoidable exposure to different fats and oils. Um, Just a quick rundown on the environmental effects of vegetable oils, just for, you know, a fun fact. The four most used vegetable oils, soybean, palm, sunflower and canola together emit 1.2 billion metric tonnes of CO2 every year. That's equivalent to twice the greenhouse gas emissions of all cars in the US in 2020. So just putting in perspective, production of these things is not without an environmental cost. Ash, so, that's huge. Yeah, like vegetable oil crops use more land than all fruits, vegetables, leg- vegetables, legumes, nuts, roots, and tubers combined. So basically <laughs> pretty much all of our diet other than uh, meats produced on land, vegetable oil crops produce use more land than they do, which, you know, is like, oh, God, here we go. And then vegetable oil crops are among the most inefficient crops in the world. Two of the top three drivers of global deforestation are soybean and palm oil. So, you know, just from an ethical perspective, I always say I will always as much as I can avoid soy and palm. But that just from that perspective alone, Mm. because I just know that the environment, you've travelled as well, when I was in Sumatra and saw the palm oil deforestation and the effect that had on the habitats of orangutans and the environmental impact. And the and the social impact it had on community and uh, and the local villages, it was so devastating to drive for kilometres and kilometres with this just dead landscape of these palm oil producing trees. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, it really it hit home hard because I physically saw those things. So yeah, get it now, you know, it destroys yeah. the earth, it destroys the ecosystem. Um, and you know, just for example, another thing like just one kilo of soybean or canola or sunflower oil, um, the land it takes to grow just one kilo of oil, you could produce 30 to 50 kilos of vegetables like spinach, potatoes or carrots. Wow. So, you know, it it's hugely energy inefficient. Um, and so if we can limit our use of these even, just limiting our daily use of them, we're still contributing to positive environmental change. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I sort of see it. Look, it's a it's a necessary commodity. We all use it, whether you're making salad dressings or cooking or roasting or baking or doing something. It's required. But you know, which ones and how much is really important to consider. And I like to think that I try my best to be green. You know, in the urban landscape that we live. Um, so mm. for me, it is a consideration when I do um, choose oils. I used to love using a lot of coconut oil because um, mm-hmm. you know it's qualities and properties for skin and things i use it in much more <laughs> limited ways now very much a moderated oil yeah yeah just because of its you know its ecosystem effect the damage it's doing to, to ecosystems um, around the globe because it sits in that really precious band of um yeah. uh, equatorial uh, landscape and mm-hmm. that's where most of the threatened species are on the planet and this a lot of this relates to the need to you know produce coconut oil and as 
I know that we have sung its praises so much in um, some of our earlier podcasts for sure and we would use it for pretty much absolutely everything and it's that principle of when you know better, you do better and yeah. as we're having a greater understanding of this but also a greater understanding of the fact that cooking with coconut oil may not be the healthiest option as well because it does actually have that low smoke point. Yes. Um, so it will, you know, obviously change form and not necessarily be healthy if you're cooking it at a high heat. So I normally encourage patients if they're using coconut oil to just use it at a low heat. Yeah. Um, well, not not heat it at all. Yeah, you know, use it exactly. in ways in which you just very mildly heat it because I think it's what twenty seven degrees temperature room stable something uh, like that. Because mine melts in the summertime every time. So Absolutely. As soon as, as, soon as it um, gets to somewhere in the mid twenties, there I'm sure it, it turns to liquid regardless. So you don't have to you know use high heat to bring it to to a usable form, which may be the liquid that you need to use it in. Yeah, and Ash, while we're talking about the environmental sort of burden um, on the production of these, so mm. we've sort of looked at the how inefficient it is in terms of, of growing these crops but then we've got to also think about how these vegetable oils are actually then refined from there mm-hmm. um, to get to um, you know essentially your um, your pantry the extracts from those plants have got to be um, changed usually using chemical solvents um, or there's like an oil mill sort of processing that goes with it. Um, yeah. They've got to be, um, you know, purified, refined, sometimes even bleached and odorized. as in um, that. that's certainly something that is true when it um, comes to rice bran oil. There was a really big movement, um, you know, maybe it was like 15, 20 years ago when rice bran oil we thought was the greatest, best, you know, health product and the best thing to be cooking with. But then when you actually look at the actual processing of it and how chemically altered it is it's absolutely toxic um Mm. just to really uh you know surmise it um so those sort of things you really need to consider how obviously how they're growing um the effect it's going to have on your system but also the processing of it as well Oh, absolutely. And it's so tough to strive for perfection, you know, in this food space. Like like we said, we're, we're fallible. We made claims before that we agreed with based on the information we had in that time. Mm-hmm. And since 2020, we've got different information, which is helping us to make different decisions in the recommendations we give to you here listening, but also to our clients um, and to our own lives and ourselves, what we're mm-hmm. using in our households. You know, for me, it's a really clear line. I do not use canola, peanut, sunflower, soybean oil. Yes. Um, you know, these are just just oils that compromise my ideas on both health and environmental sustainability. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you want to make a really short list, that's kind of where I go. Um, I still use coconut. I use olive. I use avocado oils, even though there is environmental impact on those, you know, in terms of land use, water use, processing, all those things. Um, used conservatively, I still feel as though they're probably the more responsible oils for me to use in our household, which is what I do. Um, and I love, you know, a cold-pressed olive oil produced from the southwest here so i do try and purchase locally grown locally pressed um because that just limits that carbon footprint of transporting things around the globe like why would i buy an italian olive oil that's had to get bottled and pressed and flown or halfway around the planet um i've got plenty of options here so that that's like where i said you can vote with your dollar like you you don't have to feel as though it's always a bad, bad, which is the best of the worst choices. And like, no, you can make really good choices. Try and find some things that sit within your local food economy, like what's grown and produced here in Western Australia, or mm-hmm. if you're on the East Coast, or if you're in other countries, what do you have that's there for you at home? And unfortunately for some people, their home countries are not going to have any of these things accessible. So try and find the closest thing. 
You know, I I remember living in Europe just going, why the hell do we have bananas from Peru sitting on a shelf in the Netherlands? Like, it just blew my brain. I know that's off topic about oils, but it's kind of like an example of all food in the the food supply chain. If we're not Mm. producing and and purchasing locally, then we're going to start to get this, you know, huge burden on the environment by shipping this stuff all around the planet. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. So um, that's how you can make sometimes the simplest choices. Like, well, fine, I'm just going to get something local and how easy is that that creates a you know really good Mm. conscious awareness of what is in your you know environment um and nearby to you i also have a pretty you know i just won't buy any of the general oils on a ship shortest way sometimes the easiest way to explain this when i go to supermarket shelves anything in a plastic bottle i don't purchase yeah absolutely okay so it's either in the glass or tinted glass bottle Mm -hmm. um Lots of reasons for that, but you know, just not to mention the BPAs that leach into the oils because of the, the mm-hmm. nature of oils and uh, the way in which they store toxins and chemicals. Funny that the human body stores toxicity in where? Adipose tissue, the fat in our body. Isn't that interesting? Nature's amazing. Um Anyway, I'm, I'm probably losing my track here. but No, it's great. And, Ash, I love how conscious you are about this all the time. And I do want to give um, – I know that you mentioned sort of three, three oils that you absolutely stay away from. Um, mm. uh, Ash, just to um, recap that, for you, was it safflower, soybean and canola? Are those the three that you stay away from? Oh, and yes. peanut oil. You said peanut, peanut oil as well. Yeah. And yep. I just want to add to that, like corn oil, cottonseed. Definitely. Um, well, cottonseed, people don't even realise. Cotton doesn't make oil for us to consume. It's yeah. a byproduct of the, the cotton production to make clothing and textiles. I'm like, how can that be good for us? The chemical wash, the GMO, the pesticides, herbicides, and everything else that must be in there is just horrific to think about. So please don't touch it. And, uh, guys, canola oil is often um, also called rapeseed oil as well. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I also avoid grapeseed oil and rice bran oil. Yeah, um, rice bran is really common here in Australia, I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. A very common quick, you know, in huge bottles, you can buy them like within 10 litre super tubs of rice bran oil for cooking. And it's like, oh, wow. I and a, it's also an additive. Deep fried oil, isn't it? Yeah. And I find it's also a really common additive in um, non milk dairy alternatives. Ah, true. Um, so so true. just something to be really conscious of mm. there as well. You know, obviously, mm. which brings brings us back to the importance of reading labels and everything else. And Ash, I agree with you that um, we cook with uh, cold-pressed olive oil. Um, we use that as a salad dressing liberally yep. as well. Um, so we'll um, usually try and get like first cold-pressed olive oil, which essentially just means that the um, olives are just kind of squeezed <laughs> um, and that's how they get the oil out of it. There's no chemicalization that goes with it and the oil isn't heated in the process or the, the actual olives aren't heated in the process so it's not changing form so it's not going to make it un- healthy in that um and we'll use ghee or even just butter as well um we'll cook with butter sometimes too um i I love how i say we cook with butter um dean cooks with butter (laughs) but in our household those are the sort of things we use and occasionally coconut oil but very very rarely um nowadays uh and those i think um according to all of our requirements for what we're looking for in terms of um you know it's the least amount of environmental impact the healthiest options and um produced um i guess in the best way those sort of tick the boxes there yeah absolutely and i think you know when we're talking about heat stable what it basically means um if you're sort of not sure what that actually means is that 
when exposed to heat, certain oils will go through a process of lipid oxidation, which is a relation to the, the fragile oil being damaged by that heat. And what that's done, it produces byproducts such as aldehydes, and these are known to promote inflammation, and this is that negative health consequence. Mm. So, yeah, because a lot of people go, it looks fine, um, but it's not about how it looks. It's how your body will now take in that oil and what it can do with that oil. So... It's just important to say that, you know, sometimes just because it looks fine doesn't mean it is. Yeah. Uh, this idea that as well, you know, like I said before, I won't buy anything in a plastic bottle because a lot of these um, polyunsaturated fatty acids, these oils are unstable to light as well. So you've yeah. got like light heat and oxygen which can damage them. So obviously, you know, if they're, they're sitting on a shelf, they've been transported all around the planet, they've been exposed to heat, been exposed to light, then those oils in those packets become rancid essentially. So they're, they're off. Um, so this idea of rancid oils is really important to understand. It essentially just means they're not fit for human consumption. They're not good for our bodies. Yeah. Oh, that just sounds disgusting, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it does, it does. I also like to consider like the extraction and refinement processes. So yes. this is why I've always been drawn towards, you know, cold pressed or extra virgin um, because I'm looking for oils that have not gone through um, – heavy refinement mm. and less refining just means more nutrients um more of the beneficial phytochemicals so the plant you know healthy parts of the plant um and a lot of time as well it improves flavor so you know you get oils that taste delicious because they're they're not bitter or they're not um, altered by by the chemical processes so this is where you get those olives or avocados um the seeds and nut oils are really good as well actually I have walnut oil it's a really nice oil to mm. use um, in a dressing and almond oil as well so if you're not uh nut allergy then <laughs> those oils are fantastic and for any of those sort of nut oils i would just recommend just not heating them so just Correct. these are yeah, used for flavor um yep, and cold. um you know dressings and those sorts of things and look occasionally i'll use some sesame oil as well yeah. um even though you know there there are healthier options but it's just for you know some of those um asian salad dressing um yeah, flavors that, yummy. Yeah. um it's really hard to sort of move away from and in small amounts um you know i think it's it's absolutely fine uh and so ladies hopefully this has given you a little bit of an insight into why there is such a big movement now to avoid you know the trans fats um and you know they're in pretty much everything so guys please read your labels it's so so important and there's such in pro-inflammatory and health degrading um things that we're consuming every single day um but why we're also being really conscious of avoiding the partially hydrogenized um vegetable oils or other kinds of seed oils as well um we've given you a list of the things that we use and the stuff to avoid as well um ash what else is there anything else we need to add in there yeah, and I think just to remember that, you know, fat's not the enemy. Um, yes, you know, thank you. Our sex hormones are built upon the foundations Absolutely. of, you know, healthy fats. So when we're looking at um, how we consume, rather than becoming too uh, fixated on the small details of all the, the products, it just makes life easier if things are not in packets, right? So if you're mm -hmm. eating a generally whole foods, well-balanced, rounded diet, then you can eat plenty of avocado and quality meats and, you know, not have to be counting saturated fats and all those sorts of things. So mm. make, keep life simple. The less packets you have, the less you have to turn over and try and understand all these, you know, chemical symbols and words and, and labels. So um, for me, you know, my general rule of thumb is eat from nature. You know, it's always the same. It doesn't change. 
um, which just means that some of this conversation is a moot point for those people who go, well, it's fine, I have a whole foods diet anyway. I'm like, great, well, you're doing exactly what you need to do. Don't worry about it. But if you're eating a lot of processed foods, then it actually really does matter that you turn those packets over, that you check those those bottles and those labels because that's where you're going to find the bad fats. That's where those hidden nasties are going to be. That's where those um, degraded oils are going to be that are, are health damaging. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, because this all fits into our mission of helping you to be the healthiest, happiest version of yourself. So you need this information when you're making those health choices. So, Perfect. Ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. Uh, we are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.